Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kenya. With me, as always, from is Eric Schlipp from PrideofDetroit.com. Eric, Lions wrapped up the regular season with a 30-20 to victory over the Minnesota Vikings, lining them up for the NFC playoffs. A wild card <laughs> matchup against the Los Angeles Rams of all, all teams. We'll be talking about it in depth within moments. Eric, how do you feel to be going into the wild card round? Oh, well, you know, I, I think it's an exciting day uh, coming up here in, in Detroit. Haven't hosted a, a playoff game in 30 years. Haven't been to a playoff game in seven. Um, fans haven't seen it, you know, a playoff game in three decades. So a lot of fans, you know, haven't seen it at all. Never seen it in their lifetime. And um, I think that is a very exciting thing to witness. And I, and I, I also agree that or I, I also believe that the uh, the team is aware of this. They know the the crowd is going to be excited. They they know the city's been waiting a long time, and their focus is on you know providing the city a win and and, and moving on. At the same time, the uh, storylines in the Rams matchup and the Rams being a hot team coming into this has certainly. Uh, elevated a lot of anxiety around Detroit, I believe. Oh, sure. <laughs> and um so it's 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 just a it's it's a a lot of different emotions going on, right? And right. uh it's exciting though. I mean it, it should be exciting. I'm I'm worried about getting downtown myself and finding a spot because I think people are going to be posting up there early. I think the party's going to start well uh well before the game. Party's already started, Eric. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, look, I don't. I, That's why I, they got to chopper you in, Eric. They got to send <laughs> a helicopter for you, and it's land you right on top of Ford Field. <laughs> you know, it. The thing is, is uh, the thing I'm worried about, I guess, is that people are going to get caught up in the playoffs and just like uh, in the happenings of everything and, and not, or, or maybe lose the fact that this what an impressive season. This was 12 wins is a, a franchise record um, or tied a franchise record set back in 91 um, to be where they are three years uh, after this regime has taken over is, is awfully impressive. And I, in my opinion, I had a schedule and you know, they, they've been ahead they were ahead in the NFC North for so long that I think people kind of got used to them being good. And now with the Rams being a hot team and, 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 and you know, obviously making people, like I said, making people nervous, um, a lot of the attention is on, is on them. It's on LA. And I think people are making excuses for, Oh, if the Rams do this, then it's the problem. The Rams do. This. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup. At the same time, I don't want people to forget how good of a team Detroit is and why they're in the spot that they're in hosting a playoff game because they've had an awfully good season. They've just had the North in hand for weeks. I mean, they won the North by three games. You know what I mean? Like, So people, I think people have maybe forgotten the talent level that's on this team. Interesting take. We will uh, we'll get to that more in depthly in a second. Let's let's dig right in. 
This okay. is the big one. So that we don't have to dance around it. Let's dig right in. Transactions first cornerback Jerry Jacobs, die and knee injuries will be placed on IR. He is done for the season. Yeah. For, well, wait, uh, or is there a but? Can he come back for the Super Bowl? No. Okay. No, no, no. He has to miss four games, and there's only four games. Yeah. Super Bowl would be game yeah. four. So yeah, essentially I didn't his, know if it was week for games. Yeah, no, it doesn't change. Um, and it is what it is, uh, all year for IR. And so yeah, his his season is over. He sent a uh, he posted a tweet thanking Detroit online and then uh and then removed it later because I think he was people were thinking he was getting cut. Yeah, he was getting and, cut. And uh yeah, and I think Bunch I understand chuckleheads sending all <laughs> well, sorts of terrible I mean, like, messages to him. It's such a weird uh social media can be so weird and trying to interpret it is, is often um, a foolish task. And so, yeah, he, I don't think he, he meant that he's in a contract year. He's, he's could potentially be restricted free agent, but there's a price tag that comes along with that. And um, he's at a spot where he had a thigh injury uh, on Wednesday. And then they added a knee injury onto that on Thursday and then he basically was like told, I guess, that he was going to be put on IR. Uh, they haven't officially made that that happen. Uh, my guess is this is a preemptive move for the return of James Houston. Um, that's my guess. I, I know a lot of people are speculating, could it be tight end insurance? Could it be uh, a free agent cornerback depth? Um, but in my opinion, I think this is the James Houston move. And so uh, they needed to make a move somewhere. I think they looked at Jerry. They looked at the depth they had. They looked at the role he had currently and said, hey, you're dealing with injuries on top of a minimal role. Uh, therefore, we're going to probably IR you. And, uh, you know, that way Jerry gets paid too, right? So so they're going to IR him. And uh, this is probably the move to get Houston on the roster. That'll probably happen Friday or Saturday. Injury report starts with quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, but his is a personal reason not on the Wednesday report. Did not practice on Thursday. Yeah, him him being on this list is just a formality, um, unless it's something you know we don't know what the personal issue is. So the uh, you know ninety nine percent of the time it's he's back uh, within a day or two. Um, other times you know it's rare that it could be something more, and hopefully it isn't. Uh, hopefully it's just a day because he's a vet. And uh, that's it. It was the only time he can get the appointment at the DMV, so he had to take <laughs> the day off. Wide receiver Jamison Williams, ankle injury, full practice Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, they're talking about him like he's going to be good to go. Um, you know, just the language when you listen to the coaches, it sure sounds like they're expecting him to play. And in my opinion, he is a sneaky, very, very valuable weapon against this Rams team. Um, nonsense point that we have to shoehorn in there. Will we see a bunch of homemade Jamison Williams jerseys at Ford field on Sunday? Mm -hmm. You know, I, yes, I, I, I think so. I think there's going to be a lot of people that want to wear jerseys. And I think, uh, the whole have to duct tape over the name Stafford yeah. and then write <laughs> at Williams at it. It's very possible. I, you, I, you see a bunch of those. Um, yeah, I don't. I think the whole Stafford ban 
thing is uh, a little silly. I understand. Well, it's the, just it's the, a bar thing to stir up some interest, I, right. you know. And I think, yeah. And then, of course, it, it's a story because we're talking about it, even though it's nonsense, yeah. you know. Yeah, and then like you know, Pat McAfee falls for it, and then Kelly Stafford's watching These Pat McAfee. People aren't and falling falls for it. This it. is all part of the thing. It's all part of their <laughs> their game, their show. No, I don't think know. I I I don't think Kelly is. Uh, oh, Kelly might be a different story. I, yeah, I think Kelly just kind of got sucked in there um i mean but regardless it's uh i think it's it's a little silly to try and gatekeep um fandom and so yeah we'll uh we'll probably see some modified nines in the in the uh in the fan section for sure wide receiver khalif raymond knee injury did not practice wednesday or thursday yeah coaches seem less optimistic about him um, my guess is he's, he's probably going to miss this game. And if he does, it, it is a downgrade at receiver. Uh, luckily you're getting JMO. You should be getting JMO back. Uh, and then it's a downgrade at punt, uh, returner as well, because he's, we saw, uh, against the Vikings, he can be pretty, he can be very, very dynamic. Uh, the nice thing is, is I believe they're going to turn to Donovan Peoples-Jones, who has experience as a punt returner. He is pretty sure-handed as a punt returner. Um, and he has, like I said, uh, experience going back to college. So I think they'll turn to him and they'll be okay. But it's, you know, he's not he's not shifty like Khalif is. He's more, if I get a seam, I can run type of thing. The big one, tight end, Sam Laporta, knee injury, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday, did get some work in after practice. Yeah, and he so he's wearing a brace, and he was talking to the media as in a, in a fashion that he seemed pretty optimistic about potentially being able to play. You got to um, do it. The, All the way up to one hour before game time. Right, yes. You can't, you can't say he's not playing. Um, yeah, no, it seems like it, uh, what's interesting though, is that, you know, there's, uh, I wasn't there, uh, uh, today, but there were other people that were, that were suggesting that some of the other players reactions to him potentially playing were, uh, very genuine. And, uh, it sure seems like most of the arrows are pointing towards him being there. Now, Dan Campbell said, we're probably not going to know until Friday afternoon when uh, designations come out and it's possible that they don't even know then. So my guess is he maybe practices or maybe doesn't. If he doesn't, I think that's a really bad sign. If he gets in a limited practice, there's a, there's a good chance he plays. Um, but I think he gets a questionable designation no matter what, because they are going to want to keep that option open. And um you know, I think Khalif's probably out, but I think Laporta probably gets questionable. And then we'll see uh, if he can play with the brace. He, he'll go, you know, he's a, he's a pretty tough kid. And uh, he's shown a lot of, you know, he's shown a lot of strength, uh, both mental and physical to be in this spot. And so we'll see. Uh, I, you know, I think, the optimistic side in me has seen the language point towards him getting better and trending towards playing all week. At the same time, uh, I don't want to get 
people's hopes up too much in case he doesn't. So if he can, it'd be great. It'd be, he'd be a huge asset. But when I write my, uh, my keys to uh, victory, I'm, I'm not including him in it just in case he's not there. Tight end Brock Wright, hip injury, full practice Wednesday, Thursday. You know, this was part of the plan. I think all along uh, they, they've held him out the last three weeks the plan was they expected him to be ready for this game. And so he's um, he's going to be important. And even if Sam plays, he he might, he's not going to play the full allotment. He, not, not even that, even if he plays, like, and he gets snaps and he's part of the game plan, he's been getting 90% of the snaps. I don't see that with a, with a knee injury. So, he, so there's going to be opportunities for the other tight ends to step up. The other tight end, James Mitchell, hand injury, not on the Wednesday report, limited on Thursday. I mean, this is about as the worst time for him to get injured, as it, you know, with Brock trying to fight his way back and and Laporta being on the on on the border. James Mitchell was going to be potentially be a guy that they could count on, and now you've got all three of your tight ends dealing with something, and so hopefully it's a non-issue. And, uh, and the Lions can have, you know, some sort of semblance of a tight end room for Sunday. Center Frank Ragnow, toe, back, knee injury, did not practice Wednesday, but it was a vet rest situation, full practice Thursday. Yep, he's uh, he's on his normal trajectory. He should be uh, good to go. Left tackle, Taylor Decker, rest, did not practice Wednesday. The veteran rest situation, full practice Thursday. So again, it, they did the same thing with Graham Glasgow too. So both Decker and Glasgow and Ragnow all got veteran rest days on Wednesday. All were back in full on Thursday. And so, um, yeah, Decker and Glasgow end up on this list basically as a formality. They, they are good to go too. So the whole offensive line should be intact and ready. Defensive lineman John Kaminsky, full practice Wednesday, Thursday. He had an illness. Yeah, it's unclear if that illness impacted why he was inactive against the Vikings. Um, I asked for clarification when he was inactive. I was told it was a coaching decision uh, at the game. And on the following Monday, uh, Dan Campbell was asked about it, and Campbell said that Kaminsky was, uh, they felt like he had been worked uh, you know, pretty heavily over the season and they wanted to give him a rest. And then, you know, he shows up with the illness. So it's not clear if it's related. They didn't list him with an illness. So it doesn't seem like it is, uh, but it's the same. So, but it is kind of convenient that they, uh, they happen to be, you know, back to back like this. Edge, James Houston, ankle. He's still on the IR. Full practice Wednesday, Thursday. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. Yeah, so originally he was estimated to maybe not be ready to go for this week, and then all of a sudden he starts getting in full practices. Aaron Glenn says the way he's going to get back on the field is by showing good practices, and he's getting them in full right now. So it's a good sign. Uh, again, still not guaranteed a spot because he can – he can carry his desig- his uh, evaluation window in the next week if they need to, but full two full practices in a row is a really good sign that he he may be ready to go and could have been could be the catalyst for why Jerry got, is going to get put on IR. 
cornerback Cameron Sutton, toe injury, heel injury, full practice Wednesday, Thursday. So he's been dealing with the toe injury for two weeks now, but in the and they added a heel injury onto his injury report, but he's been practicing in full still. So that's a really good sign. Uh, he should be good to go. They're going to need him. Another guy they're going to need, defensive back Brian Branch, wrist injury, full practice Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, his wrist injury occurred during the Vikings game. He had to exit for a little bit, went in the tent, went in the locker room, came back from the locker room, came back to play. So uh, Branch, I think, is going to be just fine. Uh, Probably just, you know, taking some precautions with him. Uh, Again, uh, I expect him to be ready to go and get a heavy amount of snaps. All right. Let's move to the recap of the Vikings game. The Lions uh, winners 30 to 20 ensuring themselves a tie for the best overall record in the NFC, which could have been one game better if the Dallas game went another way. Um, similar game to uh, the previous time they played the Vikings, you know, monster passing yardage numbers out of Nick Mullins, but if, uh, some turnovers, monster game out of Justin Jefferson. They ran the ball a little better. Conversely, the Lions didn't didn't run the ball as well as we had imagined they would have ran, run. Uh, Big game from Aiden Hutchinson. That's two in a row out of him. And mm-hmm. Jack Campbell, after I called him out, I didn't call him out, but I was questioning like <laughs> when he was going to make, uh, you know, the turn and start to emerge on the defense. You know, he played quite a game on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think he's gotten, he's continued to get better. You know, that we had the monster Justin Jefferson game, but Amon Ross St. Brown was getting overshadowed. He had a great game as well. Yeah, put him over 1,500 yards. Um, to me, this looked like an offense that was kind of going through the motions. Uh, they had a game plan of things that they wanted to accomplish. And uh, it seemed forcing like they the were ball just to Josh Reynolds at the end. Of the game. For, forcing the ball to Josh Reynolds was uh, yeah. For those who listened to the podcast, they knew exactly why Josh Reynolds was getting forced the ball. Uh, but there was a lot of people who didn't. And um, including the broadcast from what I gathered. They right. Cause yeah, they're open. Openly, it's like, well, they're not. Yeah, this is being done on purpose, but it has nothing to do with uh, smart <laughs> football, you know. Yeah, they just wanted to get him as his money, and um, I'm surprised. You know, usually they know those little details like that, and um, they usually are, pre- you know, prepared. But you know, in no, it's week only 18, week 18. They're they're easing their way into the year. <laughs> um, you know, I think maybe they got a little lackadaisical too, uh, but. Yeah, the offense looked a little bit more passive. Uh, they weren't, they got some big shots, but I think those were just circumstance. Like they just, they came open, they took them, and, and then they got these big plays. Uh, overall, I think the, like I said, the I thought the offense just looked, you know, like they were doing what they needed to do. And they weren't really trying anything too out of the ordinary. At the same time, they still put up 30 points on a top 10 defense. And uh, you, if the fact that they can do that when it doesn't even look like they're really trying their best, I think is a really good uh, indicator for them for the playoffs. I do think the defense was trying a lot of things creatively, but they were also, I, in my opinion, a little vanilla in their play calling. I know they wanted to work CJ uh, Gardner Johnson back in, but, they basically used him in a rotation with the safeties. They didn't 
taught they didn't put all three of them out there at the same time which is something they had they had hinted at might be that they were trying to save it for this week um i do think there are some creative options that you can do with gardner johnson uh back and if he and kirby playing at a high level so maybe they were hiding some stuff or or maybe they were just trying to you know they had a game plan to just work them in slow and that was it but i thought the defense got home uh, they put pressure on, they got sacks, they got turnovers and, um, yeah, their pass defense was bad. I thought there were a couple of blown plays, but overall, uh, it looked like a team that was playing to win, but not playing to, uh, to dominate. And then once again, the Vikings have another one score game that they lose. Well, you know, after last year, having all those one, yeah, they had Wait, a ton of one-score games that they lost. Yeah, that yeah. they or won. That they won. Last yeah, yeah, won. They, they, things balance out. This wasn't a one. This is thirty to twenty. Oh, that's right. I was thinking of the the, the week sixteen when it was thirty yeah. twenty six. Mm. My bad. So yeah, so those uh, so they they get a a rare two score loss. their their luck you know including the injuries at the quarterback position did not go the vikings way this season and Mm -hmm. they missed the playoffs so better luck next year vikings one (laughs) thing you didn't mention about the breakdown (laughs) of the game is the the top-notch execution of offensive linemen reporting as eligible and even through the button even got a reception for dan skipper on the day yeah you know i think that they put that in a couple of reasons one to reward dan but two um they've been trying to get that on film for other teams to worry about for a while and they've been sending dan out on routes and stuff too and now that they've shown that they can that they'll actually throw at him it it makes the defense have to pay attention to him they can't just ignore it and so um yeah i think that was purposeful for a couple of reasons and uh and it worked all right Let's dig into the game on Sunday. Uh, taking on the Los Angeles Rams, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time at Ford Field. Lions are favored by three points. The game will be on NBC uh, with Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, and Melissa Stark. Mike Tirico will be able to sleep in his own bed on Sunday night. Maybe that had something to do with how they scheduled the game. You know, what's interesting is he's doing the Saturday night game. Yeah, as why well. not? So, um, and he's, but he's not doing private jets. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's essentially Kansas City, gonna Detroit. Happen. Yeah. He's going to, yeah. A hundred percent. He's, he's going to, <laughs> yeah, he's going to call that game, uh, on Peacock exclusively on Peacock on Saturday night. And then he's going to, yeah, he's going to get the, the, I'm sure he's going to get a, a nice shuttle jet over, uh, come back. Collinsworth and start, do they stay at his house? That would be fun. I'm if sure they, they watch, don't. If I'm guessing Perico <laughs> won't even stay at a set. They'll probably stay at the at the hotel. But I do, I do think Collinsworth. You know, but Collinsworth has a different set of rules that apply to him and what he what games he does. And so, uh, like, there's games he skipped before because they were on a holiday right. and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm sure he's going to be in Detroit plenty early, and uh, and waiting on Mike to get home. All right, the referee, Craig Rolstad, is 21st season in the NFL, 21st season in the NFL, 10th as a referee. This is his 14th playoff game, so plenty of experience. 9.94 flags per game this season. 
below the NFL average of 11.42. This will be an all-star crew, not the normal Craig Rolstad crew, which will, you know, throw things, could make things go haywire at any moment. <laughs> um. So, yeah, Rolstad is the second most experienced referee in the wild card round. So they, they made... They made sure to put a one of their their lead guys into this game, uh, and I, I rightfully so. But yeah, like you mentioned, it's it is an all star crew. They they for those of you who don't know, they they grade the referees at their respective positions throughout the season. They they go back, they look at the different calls they make, they they look at the different calls that they've missed, they assign them grades, um, and then. You, the referees have to take tests to to see like why to see if they can if they're picking up on understanding why they missed a call or why they called it incorrectly and so then at the end of the season they take the you know the head the best headlinesmen uh, the best six headlinesmen and then they assign those guys to one of the six best referees and then mm-hmm. you get to uh you get this essential all-star crew so it's not guys that have or, or guys and girls that have pre- people who work with like Rostad be- before necessarily, but there's no um, cohesion, no consistency. Right. Uh, they're just there's just a bunch of people who are out there together. Right, but at the same time, Rostad's going to be the leader. He's going to set the precedence for what he's looking for. He's going to have the expectations, and the and the rest of the crew is expected to be good enough to follow that. So should be called good does have the potential oh, to go geez. a little wonky. You know, I mean, but that's every, every, well, there's a curse involved here, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Anything can happen at any moment. Well, hopefully... you can, you can have the best six of You can have the best officials in the NFL, the number one rated official, back judge, side judge, line judge, umpire, <laughs> referee, every last one of them. And something crazy can happen in a lion's game. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully Rostead's experience will, uh, allow him to make sure that he's making the proper call and um, you know he should be able to follow the rules uh, and understand the nuances that go into a football game uh, unlike Brad Allen so I'm excited to see an experienced ref alright DVOA rankings for the Lions and Rams this is for the entire season Lions 7th overall, Rams 17th, so outside of that top 14, which you would assume would be the 14 playoff teams. Offensively, the Lions are 5th, 7th throwing the ball. That's up two spots from ninth, 4th running the ball. Uh, Defensively, they're number 13, 16th against the pass, and now the number one DVOA rated run defense in the NFL, up two spots from number 3 last week. Special teams holding in at number 19, uh, the Rams offensively are number seven overall, a couple spots behind the Lions, ninth throwing the ball and sixth running the ball. Defensively, though, a little more deficient, 22nd overall, 21st against the pass, 20th against the rush. Worst special teams in the NFL, according to DVOA rankings over the entire season. Now, Eric got some help getting some DVOA statistics from the mm-hmm. last four weeks from Jeremy Reisman at prideofdetroit.com. Um, they yeah, exclude G- San Francisco from these numbers because they, uh, they rested all their starters. Go ahead, Eric, if you want to. No, no. Yeah. Jeremy, um, he, he, he posted on Twitter. He did. He posted a couple different, um, uh, like 
evaluation like sets like he said like okay this is this is what the DVOA looks like over this time period this is what it looks like over this time period for me I tend to look back a month um to see how the how teams are doing because I think that's a the more accurate picture of how they're playing and while the overall I think is really good to keep an eye on the last month uh or the last four games I think gives you a nice snapshot of is the team hot? Are they hot in certain areas? Are they improving in certain areas? Stuff like that. And, and so Jeremy happened to do this uh, over for the Rams over their last four games, excluding week 18 because they rested their starters. San Francisco rested their starters. So he's gone. He went back and did weeks 17, 16, 15, 14. Um, go ahead. No, I was just, Lions are fourth overall, seventh offensively, 12th throwing the ball, fifth running the ball, defensively number 11. 17th against the pass, 5th against the run. Special teams in the same spot as 19. Rams are up a couple of ticks as well, up to number 14 overall. 3rd offensively, 6th passing and 2nd rushing, which is a little bit surprised mm-hmm. there. Uh, defensively, they've sunk, though, a couple of spots, number 24, 25th against the pass, 7th against the rush. Still the worst special teams in the league. Yeah, the special teams, is there. It's it's bad, and we'll get into why. Um, you know, when we break that down a little bit, it is interesting though, to see how that the Rams have really improved their ability to run and stop the run over the last month. And I think that's been a big catalyst in them, uh, being successful. Uh, they are three and one over that time period with their only lost, uh, coming against the Ravens. Now, that being said, their wins are over the Giants, Saints, and Commanders. So it's not like it's a uh, murder's row of uh, t- of teams out there in the NFL. If you look at like their season record and you try and see like you know how have they done against playoff teams, for example, the Lions against playoff teams uh, are 50-50. They've won three, lost three. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Packers. They beat the Bucks. They lost to the Ravens, lost to the Packers, and then Asterix lost to the Cowboys, right? <laughs> so, um, but it's a little different story for the Rams. Rams have actually played eight playoff teams. They've beat the Niners, which is, again, when the Niners rested their starters and the Rams rested their starters. They got that win. That's one of them. But the Browns is really the only other team that they've beaten outright that's in the playoffs. They've lost to the Eagles, Steelers, Cowboys, Packers, 49ers, and Ravens this year. So if they're they're um 10 and 7 on the season, six of those seven losses have come to playoff teams. And they and of their 10 wins, only two of them have come across against playoff teams. And again, one of them was a, a start a resting starters situation. So it raises the question with the, with the Rams is are the Rams really just successful or are they catching teams at the right time and um, finding ways to beat bad teams? And I think it's a mix of both, to be honest. I, I do think they've been, fortunate with some of the teams that they faced down the stretch because like I said you got if you throw that 49ers game out um the only two playoff teams that they played over this uh stretch of of where they are seven and one over the last uh, the previous eight um or and I mean actually that includes San Fran but so regardless 
they've only played a couple of playoff teams and they lost to one of them. They beat the other one. And the one that they beat was the Browns. So, and this is like right when Joe Flacco took over too. And it's not like Joe Flacco has, you know, it, it's, it's still Joe Flacco, right? Like, I mean, I know people are excited. <laughs> hey, that, that means a different thing now. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, so comeback player of the year. If there was a player who, you know, didn't die on the field last year. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, I mean, he would have no, won the award. I mean, DeMar Hamlin, yeah. what he did is very impressive for, yes. you know, his life near the Cer- ending and just coming certainly. back to play at all. That makes him the uh, comeback player of the year, but yeah, hundred percent. nice resume out there himself this year. Um, so I guess my point here is the numbers look really good, but I think they come with a little bit of a grain of salt as well. Um, the teams that they've played weren't, haven't really been that good. Now they do play up to the, their competition and also down to their competition. They played a really nice game against the Ravens, took them to overtime and the Ravens won on that walk off a uh, punt return for a touchdown. Right. And mm-hmm. so um, the Ravens are a good team. And I mean, we've, we saw that firsthand, right. And uh, to be able to play well against a team of that caliber it is, you have to be a good team to be able to do that at the same time. If the giants had any semblance of an offense, they could have won the, their game over the Rams three times over because they had, they had three missed opportunities to win the game at the end. So, and the Giants are, you know, they only won like five games, right? So they, they're they good, and they have the potential to be good at the same time. And I think the DVOA numbers speak to that they're being very efficient at the same time. This is not a juggernaut team that they used to be. They're like a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl. This is not that team. This is not, they're not marching out you know, a whole bunch Jalen Ramsey and Von Miller on defense. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a downgraded defense with uh, some elite talent and some good player, good young players, but they also have weaknesses. It's an offense that is really rolling right now. And, and you have to, and there's been a lot of creativity in their scheme. And so that has certainly helped them. And I think the offense is the scariest part about them. But like I said, their defense is at a point where you can get into a shootout with them. And I don't know if they're, if they can hang with Detroit and if it does get to that. So it's an interesting matchup. Um, We'll break it down a little bit further. That's kind of just like my overview of, uh, of what I think of the Rams. They're potentially scary because their strength is, uh, going up against the Lions' the biggest Lions weakness, weakness. Yep. yeah, that's that's always scary, right? Um, at the same time, I think the Lions have the advantage in the other three parts of other four parts of the game. I think they're better on the ground, uh, both stopping and uh, stopping the run and rushing the ball. I think they're better uh, when they're passing offenses up against the Rams' defense, and then they're better on special teams. So, but. <laughs> it's still scary when their strength is going up against your, your biggest weakness. All right. Do you want to dig in to the position by position? Yeah, let's do it. 
All right, let's we'll start with the Rams offense first. The head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. Uh, his offensive coordinator is Mike LaFleur, who's uh, this, oddly enough, the brother of the Green Bay Packers head coach. Who would have thought, Eric, that, you know, people from the <laughs> same family would be the parts of NFL coaching staffs? If, if you recall, uh, LaFleur, McVay were both with Kyle, uh, not Shanahan. And Kyle Han- and Kyle Shanahan, were with Mike Shanahan on Washington's staff. And um, the Dolphins head coach was on that staff, too. Yeah, McDaniels. Um, McDaniels, thank you. So yes, so having the floor with McVeigh is definitely uh, one of the good old boys coaches type system. Where well, he, and McVeigh's yeah. father was the general manager in the NFL, I believe, also with Washington. Yeah. Anyhow, that's neither here nor there. Matthew Stafford <laughs> is the quarterback. I'm sure everybody who's listening is aware of the Rams' quarterback is. Part of the famous 2021 trade when the whole metamorphosis of the Detroit Lions occurred. Uh, he was sent over to L.A. He won a Super Bowl in his first season. He's going to be super comfortable at Ford Field because he's been there so many times before. Um, mm-hmm. He's the guy. Carson Wentz is the backup. Yeah, so Stafford is still very much the quarterback that we knew him to be, but he's also improved in some areas. Um, his, his speed and efficiency in processing, I think is really improved. Uh, that's part of their game plan that they've utilized over the back half of the season. They, they've asked him to get the ball out quicker and he's making his reads faster and getting the ball out quicker. Um, he still likes to go deep and when he does the strength to the lion's weakness. Uh, but it, but there, the Stafford that we know still comes out when he goes deep, where he'll sometimes uh, airmail a ball, or maybe he's a little uh, inaccurate, or he'll put up a 50-50 ball that he just assuming that his guy's going to win because he trusts his arm. And um, so, like over the last month, again, I'm going to keep referring to over the last month um, several times here. Over the last month, uh, the the Rams have committed five turnovers in four games. Three of those turnovers were um, against the the Giants, and two of them were Matthew Stafford interceptions where he just straight missed his his guy because he was trying to throw deep down the field. He's pretty good over the middle. Uh, he's not as successful on the outsides, but when you look at the receiving staff and we get into them, you'll it, it'll make sense why he's more successful over the middle than outside. So... You know, essentially what they've asked him to do is take take the easier throws and let your guys get some yak. And he's been good at that. Um he he you know, he's he's not mobile, right? So like he's nah, he's, he's not big plus mm-hmm. for the Lions that he's not, but he does right. uh, he can move a little bit if he has sure. to. Sure. Uh he's not he's a statue. Also, no, he's not a statue. But he's also vulnerable in the pocket to pressure is, I guess, what I'm getting at. So he's not he's not a guy that's going to pull anything down and do designed runs, right? Like so, he he's he's more of a traditional pocket passer. I don't think he is. I don't think he's as comfortable in the pocket as I've seen him in the past in the games that I watched. Um, but again, some of that is circumvented by the fact that he's getting the ball out quicker and he doesn't need to be. So. 
you don't have to be super mobile if you're just chucking that ball, you know, pretty quick and, and getting your first read and going with it. So they like to get the ball out quick. They like to run and, uh, and, and they like when Stafford and when Stafford is accurate, they can put up numbers. They can put up a lot of numbers. The, the, issue or I guess the the way that the Lions will try and complicate things for him will be to bring pressure if they have to blitz then that's what they'll do but they're going to if they can get pressure then it's going to disrupt him and if when he's disruptive you know things can happen and if he makes a mistake the Lions have to make him pay Uh, Lions have eight interceptions in the last three games and so they need to be ready and waiting for a, a ball that isn't in the right spot and they need to take advantage of it. So pressuring Stafford will be key. And, uh, you know, it, it, he's going to get yardage. That's just, that's the way it is. Like, I don't think there's any way around it. Uh, but you can keep things in front of you, get pressure on him. You got a chance to get him off his game a little bit. All right, the running back for the Rams, Kyron Williams, in his second year out of Notre Dame. He's kind of a breakout running back star of the NFL. Uh, Backing him up, Ronnie Rivers, the son of former Lions running back, Ron Rivers, worth noting, Hmm. Royce Freeman, Zach Evans. Uh, Yeah, Williams has really broke out, right? Like he he was a guy, he was really, he was pretty good at Notre Dame. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he, he had nice. I thought he had, he was he was involved in the passing game at Notre Dame. He had good breakout speed. Uh, he's not not as good in the passing game anymore. He's a bit of a liability in pass blocking. He doesn't get he's not a real, real good pass catcher uh, over the last two years, but he's very efficient on the ground. He understands um, how to take on blocking assignments. He uh, or he understands how blocking assignments work and how to hit the holes properly. Um, he constantly seems to be turning yards and, and gaining them. Uh, he can be, he's very shifty when he gets into traffic and finds ways through. And so he's a guy that again, has been able to put up yards regardless of the opponent. Um, for example, against the, against the Ravens who have a terrific run defense, they managed to run for 128 yards and, and the, and the Ravens have, I think the, their DVOA run defense is seven. But the thing is, is he also only ran, he ran for like 105 yards against the giants and 133 against new Orleans. And they're both in the late twenties in their DVOA against the run. So he's going to put up yards, you know what I mean? Um, And they lean on him. They lean on him to put up yards and they don't move away from it. They're kind of, they have almost the same splits, as far as pass run as the lions do. So when you look at how much the lions run, that's how much the Rams actually run as well. And he's pretty efficient at it, regardless of if it's a good defense or not, or not a good defense. And, um, you know, the lions are going to have to be ready for that. I, their focus all year has been on stopping the run. And so I fully expect them to be focused on stopping him. And if they can stop him, then, I think they make their offense a little bit more one-dimensional. That's been kind of their game plan, uh, especially over the back half of the season. Stop that run is your priority. And uh, I expect him to go in again. Now, will he have the, you know, a hundred yard rushing game? I don't think he will, 
uh, because the Lions defense hasn't allowed that all year. But don't be surprised when he's gaining yards and chunks and, uh, and and being efficient. He is a he's a Pro Bowler. You know what I mean? He's got um, over a thousand yards rushing. I think he did it in like just twelve games or something like that as right. well. Eleven hundred forty-four so yards in twelve games. So um, he's been very efficient with 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 the ball. And the Rams have, uh, like I said, their offensive philosophy has has leaned on letting him do it. Now their blocking assignments has have shifted a little bit as well. They used to run, you know, coming from Shanahan, they used to run a lot of outside zone, and they'll still incorporate that. But they've they've shifted to more gap oriented and more duo blocking, and that's really benefited uh, Williams and his ability to get loose. Because if you're double teaming on the inside and you have a shifty back that can work in small spaces, then uh, it tends to lead to good results, and it has for the Rams. So Williams is going to get a ton of carries. like um, Averaging you know, 19 a game. Uh, and as far as snaps, he's on, he, he doesn't leave the field that often. Um, I think against the Giants, he was on the field for like 94% of their offensive snaps. Like he was just – he just never left. Um, they do – like I said, like you said – they do have a couple of uh, backs behind them. They're not as good. They're not even close to as good. So, um, you know, Rivers, I think, has a good rush average, but they're not as good as Williams is playing right now, and so the Rams kind of lean into it. And you'll see that. The Rams lean in. Well, they don't necessarily feel the need to rotate guys at any spot. If you're good at it, they're going to keep you out there as long as they possibly can. Wide receiver core, one of the best, and emerged as one of the best in the NFL this year. Nobody was expecting that. Cooper Cup, everybody knew was good. Puka Nakua has had a breakout rookie season, and they put him on the Pro Bowl team ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown. Don't don't oh, think yeah. that he does. He's not thinking about that. Tutu Atwell, <laughs> another rookie. Demarcus Robinson, Ben Skaronic, Austin Trammell. That's your receiving core. Oh, Tutu was a rookie. He's in his third year now, oh, I think, actually. Oh, jeez, that took yeah. that up big time. It, it, I mean, it feels like he's a rookie because he hasn't really done a whole bunch. Yeah, um, well, it's his, his breakout year as well. He had a good season as well. Not a Puka yeah. Nakua type season, but... Yeah. Yeah, third year, yep. Um. So Cooper Cup is, of course, one of the better route runners in the NFL, if not top... He's top three, probably. It's it's He's highly efficient at route running, and um, gain separation all the time, and, he, and he's a very easy target to throw to. Uh, Nakua is is a lot like Cup in a lot of ways. He he finds ways to get open. He's not elite speed, but he has good speed with the ball in his hand. And with Cup injured, uh, like for like the first I don't know, it was like six or eight weeks or something like that. Nakua ended up being wide receiver one for Stafford and everything went through Nakua, which is why he has uh, the, you know, numbers that he does. Yeah. Um, And and that's why he's, you know, going to be in the, he's in the conversation for rookie of the year, even though I think that ends up going to Stroud. So both those guys, they rarely leave the field, both Nakua and uh, Cup. And then the third wide receiver spot is uh, split between Tutu Atwell and Demarcus uh, Robinson. Now, Tutu was wide receiver three for them uh, most of the season. Then he got hurt. 
They've leaned on Robinson a little bit more down the stretch. Uh, but if Tutu's ready to go, it's e- they can easily turn back to him. Now, at the same time, Robinson is really their only natural outside threat. Um, they use Nakua on the outside as well, but he can work out of the slot. Uh, Cup works out of the slot. He's one. Uh, he's that's where he's at his best. And Atwell is actually best out of the slot as well. So they have a, a whole bunch of guys that are best when working out of the slot or best when when operating over the middle. And because of that, that's why you see staff a lot of Stafford success throwing over the middle is because that's really where his receivers win. Beyond those four, though, it's it's not. The rest of the receiving core is not very good. And and that's really why they basically just lean on those four guys. And uh, you know, like I said, like like with um like with Williams at the running back spot, if they think you're good at it, they're gonna lean on you as much as possible. And and that's what we see with with their uh snap distribution. All right, the tight end group led by Tyler Higby, um, Davis Allen and Bryson Hopkins are the other ones available for the Rams. So because the receivers work the middle of the field and stretch the sidelines a little bit more and work a little bit more down the field, uh, Higby is the guy who is more involved when it comes to the underneath stuff. Um, if they'll throw like swings to the back or they'll throw like screens to their wide receivers, but when they want to go downfield, like within five yards, Higby's the guy that they tend to lean to on that. Uh, again, Higby is the guy who's out there on the majority of the time and then the tight ends behind him are just, eh. and but but Higby's a nice pass catcher. Uh, he's he he's been limited this week in practice, and I don't think he played in week eighteen. I think he was one of the guys that was you know injured, and so they didn't they decided not to play him. Um, but he's not as uh, you know he's been in the season he's been in the league for a while, so he's he's not like the the downfield threat that he used to be. He's more or less like a it is short to intermediate, mostly short uh, threat. Offensive line left to right. Joe Noteboom, Steve Avila, Brian Allen from Michigan State, Kevin Dotson, and Rob Havenstein. So Noteboom's hurt and um, he's been hurt. Uh, I mean, not been hurt, but he's mispracticed all week. And, um, I believe he missed last week as well. Uh, so they've gone to Alaric Jackson, who was a starter for them at one point as well. Um, he's okay. Uh, Avila is, I think got a a really high ceiling. We liked him coming out of TCU last year as a, as a guard option. Um, he's going through some rookie bumps at times, their center is okay. Shelton, he's all right. The strength is really on their right side uh, where Dotson and Havenstein are really just like their best offensive linemen. Um, they're both really good in the run game, and that's they're both at their best. I think they're the best two against the pass as well. The other three, the, the Jackson, Oliva, Sheldon trio, they're really good in the run game, but they're really they're not that good in the pass game. And so that sets up for the potential to, if you want to keep Aiden on the, uh, he who typically rushes over the right tackle, you might see more him over the right, the left tackle a little bit more. You're also going to see more opportunities for a Lee McNeil, I think in this game to attack 
maybe the younger Avila. So it's a good offensive line. They're very fashion, uh, very effective, like I said, in the run game, uh, which is why Williams has had such a, a, a nice season. But they are they can be a little suspect against the pass, especially center left. All right. Flipping over to the defensive side of the wall. Um, the defense is coordinated by Raheem Morris. Uh, the three-man front that we'll see out of the uh, Rams will be Jonah Williams, Kobe Turner, Bobby Brown. Those are the two nose tackles. Aaron Donald at the other end. Of, everybody knows Aaron Donald, who's on the backside of his career, but one of the best defensive players of all time. Yeah, it's it's an interesting front because they'll use those three interior linemen and then they'll also use their their two edge guys and they'll try and keep like five guys at the line of scrimmage uh, at the snap. A lot of them, almost always, they'll drop one of those guys. And so they have some variation on how that works. Sometimes it will be all three of those interior defensive linemen plus the two edge. Sometimes it'll be two of the interior linemen into the two edge. Sometimes it'll be two interior linemen, one edge and one linebacker. It They use a variety of different fronts with their, with their linebackers and edge guys and, and interior. But the concept is basically they're similar, right? It, it's, they're going to use a, a they're going to line up five. They're going to bring four and then live in nickel on the back end. Aaron Donald is the the shiny, you know, the shining example of what an interior defensive lineman should be. Uh, Kobe Turner, uh, the rookie third rookie. rounder, yeah, he's playing phenomenal. Reminds um, many of a young Aaron Donald, undersized nose tackle, only about yep. two between two hundred eighty two hundred ninety pounds. Yeah, played at Wake, nine so sacks. Small, smaller school like uh, Donald played at Pitt, right? So like you know, not a dominating. Uh, you know, Program. college that they went to, right? Yep. Um, but they're both very quick and their quickness is a potential problem for the lions. And it's something that they're going to have to be very aware of because we saw what happened when Dallas's Dallas, yep. quickness um, got to them. Now the big advantage is their edge rushers are not anywhere near what Dallas's edge rushers are. And because of that, you don't have to account for the edge rushers as much. So you can focus more on the interior guys. You can do double teams and stuff like that, but the pressure is going to come from the middle more often than not, right? You're not going to get that pressure on the edge. So your tackles are going to have to sometimes cheat in, or they're going to have to take guys um, that are an interior player because you're going to double team like an Aaron Donald. And then that means your tight end may have to pick up one of the edge guys. But again, I think that's all stuff the Lions can do. Uh, they're just going to be, they're going to have to be on point. They're going to have to be smart about it. And they're going to have to have an answer for the quickness because they're very fast. Uh, but like you said, they're undersized. And and so that does leave them a little bit susceptible to get, you know, some weight put on them and, and thrown around. It's a little harder on Donald, of course, because Donald is like, you know, incredibly strong, but Turner's, a rookie and uh and you can lean on him a little bit more uh, especially when you have a pro bowler like frank Ragnow, that's gonna be heads up against him a lot of time uh frank 
can can handle this kid. Like I know this kid is having has had a good year, but like if he ends up with one on one with Frank, that that's a, that's a, uh, an advantage I'll take. Now, of course, that puts Graham or or Jonah in a, a less advantageous spot. But again, if you're using tackles to help, then you're gonna be, you can you can you can manage right. So middle pressure is going to be tough. That's going to be priority one. How do you stop that middle pressure? And uh, from there, I you know we'll get to the edges here in a second. I, I don't think the I, I think you'll be okay with the edges because it's they're not as as dynamic as the Rams are up the middle. All right, the edge linebackers that Eric's been mentioning: Byron Young and Michael Hecht. We'll have Nick Hampton, Ochan Mathis, and. Uh, um, Keir Thomas off the bench. Now, I do think Byron Jones or Byron Young is a little underrated. I, I, I think he's slightly above average. Um, I thought he's played well in the games that I watched. Um, at the same time, he's not like this. He's not a dominating guy. He's he he has perfectly capable of making plays, but he's not it's not like he's Micah Parsons, right? It's not like you're going to have to account for him the way you had to account for Micah Parsons, leaving you susceptible on the interior to uh, the interior speed that Dallas had. So you can more one-on-one them. Um, I think if you put a tight end on him, it's going to be a, it's a hard ask. Right. Um, but if he ends up being um, up against Decker or Sewell, I feel pretty confident the lions have the advantage in that route. Um, not as, not as worried about the rest of the crew. I think young, like I said, is, is probably their best. The other guys are just kind of average in my opinion. And again, I think this is an area where as long as the lions identify who is, who's coming and who's dropping, uh, they have, they have a lot of advantages with their tackles versus edge. Middle linebackers or interior linebackers, off-the-ball linebackers, the term we use today. Ernest Jones, and then a mixture of Christian Roseboom, Jake Hummel, Troy Reader. Uh, Reader has not practiced this week. Is uh, He has a knee injury. Uh, he's leaning towards potentially not playing. Uh, Ernest Jones is really their their stud. It's He's kind of in a breakout year. He was drafted in third round a couple of years ago. He's in his third year. And now he's really kind of coming into his own. He's playing very well. He gives them some flexibility and he really doesn't leave the field. He's their Mike. He he's going to be on the field a lot. Now their second off the ball guy is not on the field all the time. They are on the field a handful of times, uh, much, much less than um, I think a lot of teams use off the ball linebackers. And that's because the Rams tend to lean on their edge and interior guys a little bit more. So like the Rams are very comfortable having three interior defensive linemen, two edge rushers, one off ball, and then five defensive backs. That's a perfectly acceptable uh, defensive uh, alignment for them. Right. So Ernest Jones is going to always, he's always going to be their off the ball choice. And if they go to two, uh, Rosenboom is usually the guy. And like I said, reader tends to be their backup uh, with Rosenboom, but he's injured and may not play. And so if, if it's Rosenboom on the field, 
he's the vulnerable spot. You're going to want to, you're going to want to go after him uh, if you're Jared Goff and uh, you know, or if you're going to want to get some, if you're doing blocking assignments, you're going to want to try and get out on him as well. It's a little harder on, on Ernest Jones, but uh, that second off the ball guy, regardless of who it is, that's a vulnerable spot for them when they have that second guy out there. All right, the corners, Akella Witherspoon, Kobe Durant, Darian Kendrick. You'll see them the most. Also got Duke Shelley and Trey Tomlinson on the roster. Uh, Witherspoon has been in the uh, league for a while, played for San Francisco for a long time with the Pittsburgh. Um, he's been around. Uh, he's been in the league for quite a bit. Uh, I think he's kind of average at this point in his career. Um, he's not as fast as he used to be vulnerable to speed Kobe Durant on the other side uh, doesn't get out there all the time. They'll actually supplement him with, with Kendrick. But again, I think he, both of those guys are, are a little bit under average when it comes to their overall play. And I don't think they have the speed either. So their outside corners, in my opinion, are very susceptible to speed. And when I was talking about Jamison Williams being a potential threat, this is where he, this is where he comes into play. I don't I don't think they have an answer for a guy who can run with JMO. And so to get JMO out on the field, he's going to run past all of these corners. And so if you if you can get JMO out there and you can get him open and maybe even get him a ball, you're going to force them to adjust their safeties. If you force them to adjust their safeties, you're going to leave uh, the middle of the field open, especially if you only have one off the ball linebacker. And then all of a sudden it's Amon Ross St. Brown time. And so for me, JMO is a key catalyst in this to stretch and put pressure on their outside corners with his speed, because I think this is a St. Brown takeover type of game. St. Brown is going to be the guy who I think can win this game by himself type of thing if you let him. So, but JMO is going to be a big part of helping him do that, right? Like JMO is going to be that speed is something that they don't have an answer for. This is where it would have been nice to have Khalif Raymond as well, but you don't really use Raymond in that way. But Donovan Peoples Jones can come in and help out in this situation as well. And he can be a good seam stretcher. He can be a good sideline stretcher. So I do think they have some guys that can help stretch and, and open things up for Amon Ra. The safeties, Jordan Fuller, and then a mixture of Quentin Lake, Russ East, John Johnson, the third, Jason, Jason Taylor on the end of the bench. So John Johnson was, um, uh, he's a little under average in my opinion right now. Uh, I think he was a much better player previously. Uh, hasn't been playing as great of late. Jordan Fuller uh, was a, a great story for them when they drafted him in the sixth round, and then he turned into something really good. He's kind of regressed to the mean. He's more of like, I think he's an average to above, slightly above average uh, safety. He's got an ankle injury, and he has not practiced this week. He is vulnerable to miss this game. So, it, um, And then Quentin Lake is mostly their nickel. So if Fuller can't go, then it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Are they going to take Lake off of the nickel spot and put him back 
at safety because he's probably like, you know, your natural too deep because he's probably their best option or do they prefer him to be in the nickel? And then they're going to lean on a guy like, you know, yeast or something like that to, in order to come in losing fuller could be a, a very underrated problem for them because again, their strength is in the middle. Their strength is, Donald and Turner at the at the line, Ernest Jones at the mic in the middle at the linebacker level, and then Fuller at the safety level. And if Fuller can't go, it's a potential big problem for them because it leaves them vulnerable to the deep ball. And again, this is where JMO can come into play. If you have some scheduled designed plays for JMO, or if you think you can cut them loose, then and 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 stress those safeties, you're going to be putting safeties you're gonna be taking safeties away from the help and putting and try and and asking them to try and basically go over the top and it just creates potential problems for them so there's a huge a huge key for the lions is to be able to try and manipulate the secondary and they can do it with speed with precision and it, it starts with but it all starts with slowing down the interior of their defensive line. If the Lions offensive line plays like they're capable of, if they play like they have two pro bowlers and a pro bowl alternate, right? They play at that level and they and they slow down the pass rush. Jared Goff will have an opportunity to cook here and uh, the Lions have the personnel to, to push the secondary to its limits. All right, the special teams, the kicker is Brett Maher, who kicked earlier in the year and then picked up where he left off right in week 18. Um, And the punter (laughs) is Ethan Evans, who's a rookie, who's had a good season thus far, 49 yards per kick. Going back to Maher, he's struggled a bit, only hitting about 73 74% of his field goals, the longest one being 54. Yeah, they've missed 11 field goals on the year. Um they they were using uh Lucas Arnsick or something like that. I can't I, I Haversick. Exactly. Haversick, there you go. I couldn't remember his name there for a sec. Uh Havers, like even on Christmas, they were like, Oh, we like Haversick. We think he's gonna be great. We're we're sticking with him all the way. And then they go into their game, he and he misses two extra points, and then they're like, All right, nope, we're cutting him. And then they go right back to Mar. It's a fickle um, position. Yeah. They're 31st in punt average. They're 29th in field goal efficiency. Um, They're not great at returning the ball, either as punt returners or kick returners. They're giving up punt returns for touchdown. They've given up two punt returns for touchdowns in the last uh, four games. And it's why they're the worst special teams uh, out there. You want to, so I'll let you tell me about, the rest uh, of the team I'll get back. Yeah, Austin Tra- Austin Trammell returns kicks and punts. Uh, although he's only returned six kicks on the season, he's averaging below 17 yards per return. Uh, punt returns just over seven yards. So as you pointed out, neither neither kick returning nor punt returning is he dangerous. And yes, they give up a large amount of punt return yardage and pair of touchdowns on the season. So Ethan Evans has a good punting average 49 yards per kick you know right up around that 50 yard average but his net is only 38.4 they're giving up 11 yards return yeah because their coverage is bad so this is a 
this is a spot where you wish you had Khalif Raymond, but you're okay with people's Jones. Um, and even Brad uh, Fipp hinted at Amon Ra Dave has been Fipp. there. A uh, Dave Fipp, geez, has hinted at um, Amon Ra being, he's been their emergency punt returner all season. So maybe he'll get a look. Um, this is a potential area where the Lions can really take advantage. Their kicker, they have no confidence in their kicker. Um, they're not covering punts or kicks well. And so they're, they don't, they're not covering because they're not covering well, they're basically just like trying to kick the ball and and just let you take it wherever. If you can get the ball in your hands and you can get loose, there's opportunities to take them back. Um, And if you convert your field goals and you convert your extra points and they don't, those single points or two or three can often be the, the, the pivotal points in the game. And so for me, there's a huge potential advantage for the Lions. And when you're looking at a team like the Rams, who could potentially put points up on you, if their kicking game is going to leave points off the board, that's huge, especially if you can get it done. And so, yes, the Lions uh, badly missed an extra point, and so that's not helping my 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 overall statement here. Right. Yep. Uh, but he doesn't always he he doesn't often miss them at home and he's been pretty good other than the one he most recently missed and so you have to hope that he can come through because they've been very up and down and and not confident in their crew overall any little advantage you can get you need to take advantage of it and make the most out of it field position can be a huge factor in this game and so I think there's real, real good potential for the Lions to take advantage of that. Long snapper for the Rams is Carson Tinker. Do you have any information on him? Uh, no, he's a rookie. I know that much. That's about it. We've, we've got to find, there's got to be some comprehensive database on long snapper information out there <laughs> to dig into. If anybody's interested in digging into it. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it. That's it for the Rams. That's uh that's the breakdown of the roster. Let's talk about uh, who's going to win. I can see this game. I, I I can see this game potentially turning into a shootout at the same time. I think that's why they put it on Sunday night. I mean, the storylines right. are, are fantastic as it is, but I, I do think... like to pretend that these storylines aren't happening. No, right. I, I haven't written about, <laughs> I, I, I've written, I've written the name Matthew Stafford once. Uh, this week and that's it um yeah there's storylines but i'm i i'm trying to keep my head in the football game um and i think this football game is arguably the best football potentially or should be the best football game of the week and again that's why they put it in that in that prime sunday night spot so it's going to be interesting i think anybody who's nervous about matthew Stafford throwing the ball is totally justified uh, I expect him to throw for three to 350 yards. The question will be, can the line, how many times can the lines keep them out of the end zone or how many times can you force them to rely on their kicker instead of like, you know, 
it, so essentially you're saying, can you bend, but not break type of thing. And that's the trick. You, the, he's going to take shots at big plays. You just can't let those big plays turn into touchdowns. You need to, you need to be aggressive. You need to take risks on defense and you need to force Stafford into situations in which he's uncomfortable because the talents there, he's got the talent. He's got receiving talent. His offensive line has improved. He's got a running game. Like it's a, it's a potentially very scary offense at the same time. Like I said, they play down to their, uh, they've played down to their opponents in the past and there are some vulnerabilities. He, if he airmails the ball, you got to get it. You got to get your hands on it. You got to intercept it. You can't, you, we can't see any of those that hit somebody in the hand and then fall on the ground. You got to, secure all of them when you flip over to the other side of the ball though i think the lions have everything they need to stay in a shootout or potentially and potentially win a shootout i don't think they're going to need to um i think it will be a a relatively high scoring game but i don't think it's going to be like 40 to 38 or anything like that i i think it's i think it can is potentially going to be high scoring. Um, but at the same time, I think the Lions are kind of built for that. So my prediction is that the Lions go into this game and they're matching touchdowns and their kicker misses an extra point on their fourth touchdown, leaving them at 27 and the lions will go into their last drive, 24 to 27, needing Jared Goff to get him a win. Mm. And I, I think he does. I think Goff has been building towards this and I'm expecting, I'm going to say the lions win 31, 27. Uh, so a high scoring game, but I just see touchdowns at the, at the ready. And I think these passing offenses have the potential to score. The running games will grind it out and run the clock. And I think maybe that's why my score might be a little bit high. Uh, but at the same time, I could see both these teams scoring four touchdowns on the other one. So I'm going with the Lions by four. And uh, so slightly, slightly over the spread. Yeah. Spread right now, 51 and a half. Um you know, I wanted, I screwed. I wanted to ask you this question before you went into your oh, final synopsis, but you know, it's going to be climate controlled inside Ford field. I'm sure you'll mm-hmm. appreciate that sitting up in the press box um, <laughs> works out in both Los Angeles and Detroit's favored because yes. they both play indoors mm-hmm. Los Angeles. When they practice outdoors used to being in nice weather, the lions, not so much, mm-hmm. um, if this game was in, you know, Kansas City's supposed to be negative 30 wind chill, Buffalo's going to have huge snow drifts due to some lake effect over yeah. the weekend. At least that's what they say. You know, I know, and and I know late, I've been noticing with the weather lately that they kind of exa- or go, always go to the high end. I don't know if it's quite an exaggeration. It makes, makes for a better story. People pay attention more if the sure. weather's going to sure. be really bad. So, you know, it's good. That's not going to affect the lions. And I think if the lions did play outside, it would be negatively effective to both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, there's so much in this matchup 
right? You know, like yeah. you, you didn't talk about him, but I'm going to bring, you know, Matthew Stafford returns back. You know, they, he asked for the trade to be traded away and he, he was the catalyst for what the turnaround has been for the lions. You know, that was mm-hmm. the, you know, it allowed Holmes to burn it all to the ground and build right up from the ashes. And he's done a good job doing that. We've talked about that all year. You know, there's tons of, I don't know, it's not irony. You know, there's tons of curse potential here, right? <laughs> Matthew, Stan, like, here's the one quarterback that, you know, this this is probably going to even be a better atmosphere at Ford Field than the Seahawks game was back yeah. in week two. Yep. Um, but Stafford, totally comfortable at Ford Field. He knows the fans can get loud. They're, they've never been that loud while he's been in there. Sometimes the fans can get a little off. Uh, you know, they, they do the traditional football thing of we're going to yell our loudest when they're at the line of scrimmage, which is great, which was great against the Vikings because for some reason they weren't going on silent counts, no. right? <laughs> right. Bizarre, but Matthew Stafford will be. I have a feeling the Rams are going to do that. And uh, so, you know, like the fans need to back it up and be their loudest when the Rams are in the huddle, right? So right. they have a hard time Anzalone. hearing the huddle. Anzalone that pointed said? that out. Yeah, yeah Anzalone, okay. and we, we wrote an article on that as well. Um, pointing to the fact that, and then even the Lions took a clip of Anzalone saying the exact same thing that you're saying right now. Because, uh, yeah, they need to they need to get loud when he's in the pocket and or the, in in the huddle. Sorry. In the huddle, they should have instructions on the video board for this. This oh, is how this so. is how dumb we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you guys need to do. Don't yell. I mean, you yell when they're at the line of scrimmage, but yell louder when they're in the huddle. Anyhow. There's that. There's that piece to it, you know. So a lot of curse potential there. The other side we haven't talked about as much, you know, trading Stafford away. We did get a second round pick. That's Levi Onzerike. We got two first round picks that aren't directly anybody because of the trade that Holmes made. Hold on, but I'm gonna pause you for a second. Okay. It, they got a third round pick. It was iffy. They got iffy now. Oh, not oh, Levi. Go Wait. Ahead. So right, right. So. All right, so I screwed that up. Melifonwu, right. they got the third yep. round pick, not Onzerike, but Melifonwu, who's yep. you know, who's who's definitely emerged over the last few weeks here. Yep. You got two first, first round, round picks yep. that aren't exactly anybody because one was right. traded with some other stuff, which is the smart thing for, to do for Holmes because you can never like truly like directly point it well this is exactly what they got for stanford because <laughs> you know jameson williams was part of another trade and it was mm-hmm. uh, uh and gibbs you know because it was really the eighth pick but it ended up being the 12th yep. pick so you know gibbs is kind of that that deal and uh but you got golf and you forget about that golf piece because the mcveigh got fed up with golf mm-hmm. right he was tired he, he, they they had a falling out even though they say it's totally re- repaired everything's cool now yeah i don't and, believe uh, it it's it's uh, totally unbelievable and uh there is concern that like mcveigh if he is a very good coach you know he has a super bowl ring and uh he does he know every flaw that goff has now you pointed out when you talked about stafford stafford has improved as a player over the last three years since he's been gone and the same could be said about goff that he's Mm -hmm. gotten better in that time with the lions but you know, does is McVeigh? Did he see all this, and does he know how to attack Goff, right? Well, and if he is successful at it, that's going to be a big concern. Go ahead. I was going to say you can flip it as well and say Ben Johnson. He he was on this roster when Stafford was, and 
he was uh, or on this coaching staff because he was he was here prior to this regime. Uh, so he's seen Stafford. He knows what Stafford's capable of. Uh, and he has been the guy who's elevated golf. And with Ben Johnson having some potential head coaching things, uh, interviews on his way, wouldn't it be nice for him to be like, hey, look, I did something Sean McVay couldn't do. So I am a candidate. I'm even even better candidate for a head coach than maybe you think. And so it's a potential big payday and a potential statement game for Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson can absolutely be like, this is the guy you didn't want. Look what I did. Right. Now, that, back to my predict. So you, you know me and the curse. <laughs> and, and and I've talked about, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, and I said, like, you know, playing the Packers or playing the Rams is terrible either way. Yeah. Because yep. if the Packers win, like, they basically, they, they've beaten us twice this year. They basically win the division. And where are the line, you know? They beat you once. Beat, beat them once. Packers beat them once. No, no. If they beat the Lions oh, in the playoffs, they too. They Sorry, I misunderstood. twice. Basically yeah, win the North team. division, even though they didn't have a better record, they de facto win the division by being the one that moves on. And I said it was about equal because if they lost to the Rams, it would okay. be like you lost to the guy you trade, but I don't feel that way anymore. I think it would be okay. way worse to lose to the Packers than the Rams. So it's, it's not as bad <laughs> to lose to the Rams, but hopefully they don't. And yeah. uh, I don't know. I got it. it uh, there's, there's so many ways. The last time a three seed, one, this is from the Detroit Free Press. The last time the three seed won the wild card game was mm. 2016 when the Seattle Seahawks defeated the Detroit Lions. The six seed has won every single NFC playoff game since. That's where that's an intangible uh, worth thinking about. The other one, the we got to spin it. We got a good side to this too. The last time mm. three teams made the playoffs that had never participated in a Super Bowl, right? So there's 14 mm-hmm. teams in the playoffs. There's three of them that have never played in a Super Bowl. Um, Is it Browns, Browns and Texans? Browns, Texans, Texans Lions, yeah. right? So the last time that happened was in 2000, and the three teams were the Ravens, the Buccaneers, and the Saints. The Ravens won the Super Bowl that year, and then the Bucks and the Saints both won it within 10 years of that. So that's a good sign, right? Mm. Good yes. sign for the Lions. Um, once again, not, I know you don't like these nonsense intangibles because they're meaningless. To you. These are just <laughs> things that happened in the past. They're not connected. You know, there, there is no, no bearing on what's going to happen going forward. Either of those <laughs> goofy little stats. Um, and I, I think the lions are going to win the game. They have that something's got to go right at some point for this, this franchise. And maybe now is the time. This is when the healing truly begins, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say the lions win this one, but it's going to be closer than you guys. I got it. 27 to 25 lions mm. bizarre score that's all right they've had some bizarre scores i uh my my initial my initial score was 28 27 so and then i had i expanded it after thinking about it a little bit more but so i'm not too far off from you um this game's dripping with curse potential well but you know what like if every game look, would any game if would. You, i mean look look at the other look at the other playoff games you have mike mccarthy going up against the packers mm-hmm. right um uh, there was another one that was like just dripping with like irony as well that i'm blanking on right now but like they've set up you know there's the playoffs have are set up for all, all these like 
storylines of you know guys returning home or or uh you know weird Texans things versus Browns. Mm-hmm. Is it because of oh, Deshaun yeah, yeah. Watson's they, a Brown? Yes. Yeah, and and here the Texans are playing the home game against them in the playoffs. Yep. Um so there's there's a few interesting wrinkles like that or interesting storylines in this year's wild card. And uh you know you have to think at the end of the day, which team is better, which team has been better and has, you know, been working towards this. And, and yes, the Rams have been hot, but the lines have been good all year and they faced adversity and they've overcome adversity. They've been on the big stage um, five times this year, right. Winning four in an asterisk. Um, so, I think they can, uh, I think they're, it's not going to be like too big for them, right? On the flip side, yes, the Rams won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but they've lost a lot of those players and they don't have the superstars on defense that, that they did a couple of years ago. Like this is a Rams team that is very scary on offense, but I think beatable on defense. And you've, the Lions, have shown that they can be a top five offense. And so if you have two top five offenses, it's, it's going to be a a fun one to watch. All right. You got me going. I'm ready to watch the game. I'm not going to be able to go to sleep tonight. I'll be thinking about the game for (laughs) Sunday, which in turn will make me like fall asleep during the game on Sunday because you're getting no sleep leading up to the game. And then finally relax. You know, on yeah, the, see, no. you won't be able to relax. You'll be in that raucous building, but I'll be sitting there on a couch, you know, and I'll just start <laughs> dozing off you know, because I'm doing something I want to do. I want to watch football, but I'm too comfortable. And you just go out. Um, <laughs> Apple Podcasts got a boost of a rating up to 460 nice. or at least one written rating. I believe it's Mike H from Rochester. Ooh. Uh, very Left a very nice five-star review. So Eric, he's uh, nearby you. And you yeah. at the in the northern Oakland County podcast studio. Um, no movement on Spotify, but you know, it's no big deal. We appreciate the reviews, keep them coming. And if you don't review, we appreciate you listening. Um, should we go? I don't know any more tidbits about this game that are popping into your head because we probably could go on forever, but you know, I don't, we don't want to belabor it too much. Yeah, no, I. I... I do think it's an intangibles type intangibles could be the difference type of game. And that's not good then. Well, but I think it is. But but we see intangibles in two different me. It's all curse related is intangibles. (laughs) Well, like, and and again, I, I said this earlier in the week is that I think this game is, is going to be fought on the ground more than people think but it's going to be one through the air. And again, for a lot of people, that's terrifying because it's Matthew Stafford. At the same time, I think the way that Goff has been playing, he has the potential to carve this team up. So um, there's just so much for him to play for. There's it's just the mentality that they have in that in that locker room right now the focus that they have, it just, it's such a different team 
than we've seen in the past. It's different than, I mean, it's even, it's different from year to year, but it's like this team just keeps getting more and more dialed in. And I think they're going to go in with the right mindset and they're going to, they're going to win those little battles and then it's going to add up and event eventually you're going to add enough up that you're going to get the, get the victory. One th- I've, I've told this story, I think many times before on the podcast, we might have some new listeners and most people have dropped off anyways, but <laughs> the year was 2008. The Lions went 0 16, 0 and 15 went to the game against the new Orleans saints. It was, you know, a December game, late December game, obviously. And there were eight fresh inches of snow on the ground and, uh, cold going down there. You know, we, we made a stop before going into the stadium. You know, we were outside and there were mm. the hand warmer lamps, you know, you're putting your hands yep. up, but you're, you're putting the hands basically right on the warmer because that's how cold it is. And you go <laughs> in the stadium and it's all nice. And a lot of people like to talk about how, oh, they should play in the open air. They should play in the elements. That's the way football was meant to be played. <laughs> but that that's a bunch of people who've been sitting around for decades in a climate controlled stadium. And then the first <laughs> time it's like four degrees out when you're sitting in there and you're not like 22 years old anymore. And it's like, right. oh my God, what are we doing? <laughs> it's freezing out here. What are we doing out here? No, oh, this I is was, worth mentioning. You'll be nice and comfortable. Yeah. Um. You were you said you said uh, the 2008 season, right? Right. That was yeah. Zero and fifteen. Well, it was yeah. the second from last game. It was the last home game. Mm. I think it was it, it was was it like forty two to seven or forty nine? Mm. It was it was a blowout. Yeah. Yeah. I remember where I was when they went zero and sixteen. But um, I remember that last game, but I don't remember where it was the 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 for the last home game that year. I remember uh, where I was for the last game. I was in Mexico. I was in northern mm. Mexico, and I was able to watch the game. And they <laughs> played. It was a pretty close game against the Packers. I was at um, the casino downtown with my family, and uh, I watched it uh, at a cigar bar. Because that's when I was younger, and I thought I could do that. And uh, I yes. apologize for bringing up this season, <laughs> this 2008 season. We shouldn't be talking about this at all. And I don't know, but you know what? You can I, finish your story off, but I guess we shouldn't well, really be talking about this. But like, I think there's moments like that. Oh, the depths, the that, depths of Lions no, football that we've had but, to live through. But I think it resonates, right? And I think there's there's certain moments that stand out as like things you're going to remember a decade and a half later, and you're going to remember it as if you were right there. And this is this is opportunity here this weekend. This weekend is an opportunity to have a moment that Lions fans are going to remember for decades. And I just, I see that moment there and I, and I, I feel that excitement. I can close my eyes and visualize a win and and what it will mean and, and how important it will be. And the, in the circumstances that it is. And I just think, man, what an opportunity and what an opportunity to create a memory that we can tell, you know, people about 20, 30 years from now and say, man, this is when they turn the corner. Well, I sure hope it is. That would be great. That'd be great if that's what happens. Um, you, We did talk about it last week. I think we should check in on it this week. Eric's corner when it comes to Michigan Wolverine football. 
congratulations <laughs> to you on a 15 and 0 season. Your teams yeah. are a combined 27 and 5 on the year. Have you thought about that? I have. I thought about it after they won. Um I thought, man, I've been spoiled. And uh it has I've to be spoiled. the best year in your lifetime because I was thinking about this for you cuz 1997 Lions went 9 and 7 and Wolverines mm. went 12 and 0 and yep. won the you know won the share of the national title but that only puts them at 21 and 7 actually 21 and 8 cuz that's when the Lions lose to the Eagles you know they're mm. down the 39 yeah, to yeah. 7 in the first half of that playoff game so yeah this has got to be the best year yeah it is i think if you're a, both a Wolverines fan and a Lions fan you have been spoiled uh but the nice thing is is that it's not done right uh, hopefully it can be more. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I enjoyed that game. Uh, <laughs> well, of course it, you did. <laughs> I think, uh, I think their ability to come out and run made, uh, early and, uh, put a couple touchdowns on the board kind of helped ease my, uh, my nerves. And then I thought the defense played outstanding. When and did Donovan it, Edwards get good again? You know, uh, he's, he's had a couple of like issues this year and he's, they, I don't think they've trusted him quite as much cause he was coming back from injury and, and, uh, but yeah, he looked like Donovan Edwards from Ohio, the Ohio state game, uh, when Blake was hurt. Okay. So, so it was this game and yeah. he was faster than anybody on the field and it wasn't well, even close. Is. Yeah, yeah. He's super fast. Um, I don't think he's going to jump. I think the best thing for him will be to return. Yeah, of course um, you're gonna say that. Best well, thing no. for all these guys. <laughs> no, there's a lot of them that are gonna jump. I mean, like they ju- they just are. They're gonna lose a lot of guys. And there's like I think the senior bowl said that they have more Michigan players at the senior bowl than any other school. But again, that's not surprising from from a team that's in the playoffs and you know yeah, that won, won the, the championship, title. right? Um, I think they had like some like six, seven, or eight guys, something like that, uh, which is a lot, and that but that's it's a, it's a deep, uh, we've talked about this. It's a, it's a deep roster with a lot of talent, but maybe not the superstars that some of the other schools have. Like Alabama has potentially like two, two or three first rounders. Um, Ohio state's got a couple of, you know, first rounders, you know, you're Mm going to see that from a lot of schools. I don't think Michigan has that, uh, in this class, but they have a lot of guys that are going to get drafted and a lot of guys that are going to be in the NFL and playing for a while. So, uh, yeah. You have to be super excited about the team. You're going to see a whole slew of uh, of Michigan stuff in, during the draft. Bunch of guys that are going to get talked about. A uh, couple, a handful of guys that are going to that would fit real nicely in uh, in Detroit. And so, um, you know, we'll get into that. Hopefully, not for another month or so. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll get we'll we'll get into all these this draft stuff soon enough. But yeah, I was nice to see the win, and uh, but I tell you what, man, I stayed up that night, stayed up late that night, and enjoyed it. I woke up the next morning, and my head was uh, focused on on the lines, and uh, <laughs> I, I, it's crazy. I enjoyed I it for like two hours, and then I was it. You make a good point because you know I'm you know, I'm not a fan of the Michigan Wolverines, as we've made very clear on the show uh, in the past. But I have noticed because I I hear it from them. I hear it from the Michigan fans, you know, all the time. Not from you. you, right. you, you we keep it class. I'm the one who's classless in our Michigan Michigan State relationship. <laughs> uh, but 
there's not as much talk about Michigan as you'd think there'd be. You right. Because everybody's so focused on Lions. You know, all these, yeah. you know, all, all my friends and colleagues that are Michigan fans and Lions fans, like, yeah, well, yeah, great that they won the national champ, but they're all focused on the Lions. You know, the, the conversation always turns to the Lions. Doesn't it, it's kind of a weird I'm kind of shocked by it. I I am a little bit too. Um but I I I, I am, but I'm not, right? Because like collectively that's where the conversation is in Michigan right now. It, it's really focused on what these guys in Allen park have done and what they've built towards and, and, and knocking down records that have been out for a while and, and hosting a playoff game that you know, it's just, there's so many great storylines. It's I, a different I feel. This, yeah. The Wolverines winning a national mm-hmm. championship, although rare is it because you in your lifetime yeah. it's 97 in our lifetimes Correct. it's 97 and 2023 it's only happened twice but it's not it's not out of the ordinary at all you know like they yeah. the, the, the well, 2010s the yeah last, yeah, last three years, last three years the yeah. 2010s were kind of a rough decade but mm-hmm. before that the 2000s the 90s the 80s the 70s like michigan's on top you yeah. know all the time so it's if they win the title, it's like, oh, it's great. You know, it's something that doesn't happen often, but it's like, but they're kind of always up there anyways. You know, the Lions, mm-hmm. this is rarefied air for, you know, yeah. any anybody that's younger than, oh, 75, <laughs> 76, right. Right? right? You know, like, right. remember the 57 team? Right. You know, like, uh, maybe it's got, maybe it's even got to be older than that. You know, like, other, you know, like it's, it's new for everybody. Yeah. Except for, you know, that one sliver in time back in like 91, <laughs> because they come right back in 92 and go five and 11. You know, you really only had that right. one year and lose right. both offensive guards and, you know, like stuff, bad stuff happened to that team. And you like, yeah. they, you couldn't keep riding high about them. The nice thing is, is that this team is built for the future. It has a young core. It has cap space uh, coming up in, in the, in the upcoming season. It has draft picks. There's, there's a lot to like. So this current regime and this current structure of the Lions roster, it certainly looks like success is, is uh, can be sustainable for a lot longer than it was back in the 90s. Yeah, that's right. And that's the one thing we really got to focus on here because there there is a lot you know, in the coming weeks. We're not going to talk about it anytime soon, but Ben Johnson could potentially be gone. Aaron Glenn could be potentially gone. Mike Disner yeah. could be potentially gone. So like yeah. pieces of the foundation could be disappearing in short order, but you know, it, it seems like they're building the organization right with the right way. And if they keep up going the right way, this is just this, whatever happens on Sunday is just the start. Hopefully yeah. of yep. the lions building themselves into like one of the flagship uh, 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 franchises in the NFL, you know, and, and, and you know, it's hard to believe because we've yeah. never seen anything <laughs> close to it, but yeah, you know, hopefully that's where the tra- trajectory keeps heading now. Yeah. You know, we could be singing a totally different tune two years from now and hopefully not, you know, like, yeah. and hopefully that's this, whatever happens. This is only the start. I agree with that. I agree with that. I hope that people, appreciate whenever the season ends uh i hope people are able to to look back and and remember you know that they're in a really good spot and they've done some remarkable things that we haven't seen in a long time and and uh hopefully they get to appreciate that 
So we better cut it now because we lost our communication satellite. No, that's not true. Somebody, somebody's Wi-Fi went out. And so we, we, we better cut it here before the Wi-Fi continues to be a hassle for us. So that's it, Eric. Do you have any other thoughts before we cut it off? No, I'm excited. If you're there, make noise when uh, the Rams huddle. That's the be- Keep that in mind. Lots and lots and lots of noise. Make them hear it all the way back in Los Angeles. And I'm sure everybody at home will be blowing off fireworks and having a fun time on (laughs) Sunday night in Detroit and all over the world. So that's it. That's all we have this time. So until next time, hey, let's go Lions.